It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Hawaii Calls. Well, it does for my guest, Makana, performing in Myron's at the Smith Center and the gift of slack key guitar. This Friday, April 29th at 7 p.m., he'll be featuring songs from his new album, Pulama, Legacies of Hawaii. For ticket information, go to the smithcenter.com and for everything about Makana, go to makanamusic.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Makana Music. Aloha, Makana. Aloha, 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 Kako. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to ask you a question which is simultaneously stupid and yet I think an intelligent question, which is what is slack key guitar and how does that differ from an ordinary guitar? So, in other words, it's the style or is it the physical guitar itself or both? Wonderful question. Not stupid at all. Uh, in fact, many people born and raised in Hawaii don't know the answer to that question, uh, which means I haven't done my work yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, it, slack key guitar is a style like the blues, like jazz, like heavy metal, like bluegrass, like bossa nova, like flamenco. It can be played on any guitar. Historically, when the guitar first arrived to Hawaii, I I believe more of the guitars were were strung with I, I think they used to use catgut or like more like nylon classical. I play a steel string, but generally it's an acoustic guitar music. There have been some people, including my teacher, the great legend Sonny Chillingworth, who played on an electric Gretsch at times. It was kind of the style in the 70s, but for the most part, it's an acoustic music on an acoustic guitar. Now, what makes the style different is that First of all, there's two components to, to really put it in a lay perspective. One is we slack the strings. Why do we do that? We change the tuning because by changing the tuning, we can put the guitar into a chord. So when you see a band and you have a rhythm guitar player and a lead guitar player, generally one person is strumming and holding down the chords and the other person would be playing a lead, okay? With slack key, it's different. We tune the guitar to the chord. Let's say the song is in the key of G. So we'll tune to a G chord. Now, we don't have to hold the G chord. The guitar is already tuned to that. It's very efficient. But that's just the foundation. In that chord, we will now simulate three guitars by doing an alternating bass line, rhythm, which is an occasional strum to give the listener the illusion that there's somebody around strumming. You don't have to do it the whole time. You just throw it in. And the brain fills in for you. And then you have the melody. And you're doing this all at once. Now, it gets very complex because you don't do it robotically. You, you keep changing like a complex algorithm. You're constantly changing. Sometimes you might remove the bass. You bring it back in. But the point of slack key is we are playing three parts in a guitar that's tuned to a chord. Now, there are, I use over 100 tunings. The great Gabby Pops Pahinui, which is considered like the grand legend who passed away in 1980. He used over 100 tunings, but there are some tunings that specifically just scream Hawaii. And, and for our guitar players out there, one of them is the tuning Gabby used to use, which I love and I'll use in my show. It's C-G-E-G-A-E. -E. What that means to the layperson 
is if you've ever heard steel guitar, which is not slack key, right? Steel guitar, which country gets music, music, absolutely. Right. So, but, but this is cool. That came from Hawaii, like country music, blues, all that would not have that if Joseph K. Kuku did not invent the steel. And early on, they started using tunings that use a six chord, which if I played it for you right now, you would immediately go, oh, I feel like I'm in Hawaii. So by changing the environment of the guitar to a, a tuning that is conducive to the music and style, and then setting it up in a chord, we can do all this magic. And one last thing about Slack Kid, it makes it very different from walking jazz, uh, walking bass jazz, classical, other fret hand intensive styles where you see somebody shred Eddie Van Halen, you know, Ingve Malmsteen, stuff like that. What makes Slacky different as a philosophy is the, the, the most beautiful Slacky is where you barely touch the three thicker strings because they're like drones ringing with bass. So when I play at Myron's, for instance, you're going to, it's going to sound like a, a, this symphonic sound and I'm not using effects or any kind of looping or anything because I have some notes that are ringing and my job is to touch them as little as possible. Everything that's happening Com complexity wise is happening with the picking hand and over those droning ringing beautiful notes it's almost like having a violin section going then i'm doing all this complex rhythm and melody is it hard to learn that style as opposed to a typical guitar style it is and this is why there are so few of us because the the learning arc is like in the beginning it's almost vertical uh, when I started playing, you know, I was 10 or 11 years old and my kumu, Bobby Modero Jr., who was a protege of the great Raymond Kane of Nanakuli, Bobby would sit me down, teach me the way he learned from Raymond, the way Raymond learned from his teacher and so forth. And I had to sit there in, we call it tarot patch tuning. <laughs> it's our G tuning and just play dong, 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 for like months and then add in a little simple thing with the fingers because what you're doing is you're training your hand and your brain really, right? To be able to, it's like a drummer or a pianist. That's basically what you're doing. You, you have to have your thumb doing its own thing. No matter what your fingers do, it cannot be distracted. It's holding down the bass. And so you train yourself for months to do that. A lot of people who try to learn slack key, they fall in love with this. Oh, I, I want to learn that song, Makana. Oh, I, I, that song's so pretty. Can I learn that? And say, well... Before you learn a song, you have to learn the foundations. And a lot of people skip that. So it's kind of like learning a language. You might say, you know, Neruda wrote this beautiful poem. I want to learn it in that language. You know, it's, okay, well, that's fine. But you don't speak the language. You might want to start learning the language first. Right. Rather than just do it phonetically, you really want to learn it. How did you decide, though, to go that direction? I mean, you, as you mentioned, you started when you were very young. But something drove you to slack keyed guitar versus playing as opposed to any other kind of playing. What was that key moment that you said, you know what, I'm going to take the time, the energy, the dedication, and the commitment to learn this approach? Well, I was so young, I didn't really think, you know, like an adult, like how you explained it. But basically what happened was, is I, my dad first put on slack key guitar in our household when I was like eight or nine. I remember I, I was sick, I had a flu or something, and he said, come lay down on the couch and he put on Raymond Kane and I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I, I, I started crying. I mean, as a nine-year-old child, it was so beautiful. It was such a heart-centered, simple, non-performative, no ego music. 
And, you know, today so much of music is I'm right. You know, you wronged me. And it's this, this added, there's a lot of attitude and there's a place for that, of course, but slack key is such a pure folk art. And so I fell in love with it. And then about a year and a half, two years later, we saw a TV show, a local TV show called Portraits of Paradise, where they profiled Raymond Kane and Bobby Madero. And Bobby was young. He was like 20 and I was like 10. And I saw myself in Bobby, like a big brother. And so there was that social aspect. And then my parents took me to the Hawaiian Slack Key Guitar Festival at Ala Moana Park. And Raymond and Bobby were playing. So my mom, unbeknownst to me, goes backstage without permission, grabs Bobby, <laughs> grabs Bobby by the ear and says, you're going to teach my boy. And he was terrified of my mom. So he said, oh, okay, lady, whatever you want. And I ended up at Bobby's house and I fell in love with Bobby because he was a storyteller and he's Portuguese and Hawaii would say Poragi and he would just talk story and he made it so fun. I didn't think I was working and then it became an escape for me to go to Bobby's house and stay the weekend. I was like a little puppy sleep at the foot of his bed <laughs> and he'd take me to eat at the local diners. And so, soon I was playing just the two songs I knew at his gig at Roy's restaurant. So it was this very organic process of like totally different than my home life, totally different than school. And I saw early on one thing that committed me to life for playing this was when I started doing my own professional gigs at 14 at Aloha Tower Marketplace, I'll never forget the kupuna. Kupuna means the elders. They would come in because they heard there's this little kid playing slack key and they were profoundly moved. Almost my whole audience was like my grandparents' age and older. And I thought, wow, wow, this is important to people, this music, because it was a dying art form. Right. I'll, I'll do a pun real quick because I just do those things. But you didn't slack off learning slacky guitar. Not the first time we've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not necessarily original. I just like puns. But, but uh, your mom we have is a saying. Yeah. No, well, I was going to say, just, you know, you may have heard in Hawaii, we have, of course, we have, we, we all speak English, but there's the Hawaiian language, Olala Hawaii. And then we have pigeon. Pigeon is like our Creole, right? It happened on the plantation. So Bobby taught me one early on and he used to, we used to have t-shirts and he says, more better slack them. <laughs> and your mom was a Hawaiian stage mother in that sense. Oh, major. <laughs> fearless, fearless, goes backstage. Guess you signed up. My mom was actually Miss Waikiki and Miss Hawaii International. And she was one of the first liquor saleswomen in Hawaii. She's kind of a legend. Very nice. Okay, it's a technical question. But when your dad played the music for you, was it CD or going further back 33 and a third? Or, or was it just on the radio when he played you the music? It was a cassette tape at okay. the time. That's fair enough. That's around 60s, 70s. I'm trying to look at it. Yeah. By the time, uh, the, the year that I heard that cassette tape was about 1989. Ah, okay. So they were yeah, just starting to phase out. Right, exactly. Is it hard for you to maintain traditional Hawaiian music in the islands or on the mainland? I know it has an appeal, but it's also, as you said, you played for the elders, so they were emotionally bonded to that. And not just that approach, but other traditional Hawaiian music. Is it hard to maintain that in today's world? Or do you find it's actually more and more popular? You know, it, it, it's, there's a complex answer to that question. In terms of 
if you, when you come to a show, whether you're in Hawaii or, you know, wherever Las Vegas, there's a lot of, a lot of Hawaiians, right. but if you, let's say you come to a show in California, for instance, or you come to a show in Waimea on the big Island, you look out into the audience and it's predominantly Haole, uh, Caucasian in the colloquial term of Haole. It's predominantly people in the boomer generation who have some sort of historical bond relationship to Hawaii itself. You know, they, they honeymooned here in 1960. They, they have a timeshare on, in Kihei or they, they fell in love with Hawaiian music at whatever point and, and it's very nostalgic for them. Hawaiian music, of course, appeals to many different kinds of people in Japan with, you know, there's a billion dollar hula industry. I mean, it's a major thing. But I would say that in terms of playing traditional Hawaiian music and slack key in general, you know, it's not something that generally appeals to young people. It's not something that is largely played on the radio. You know, I mean, we play a folk art, like my friends and I, the few of us that do this, Ledka Apana, Keola Beamer, Jeff Peterson, some of the other people, Steve Inglis, you know, Cindy Combs, some of the slack key guitarists alive today. We're a very, we're a minority of this music. In terms of traditional Hawaiian music, what's more popular is the non-instrumental three-chord hula awana music, which is the music that hula dancers dance to. And we all do that. But I would say that I think with the Dancing Cat recordings that George Winston did of all the slack key masters that were alive in the 90s, he did an incredible series. You can find it anywhere. And they were the slack key guitar masters. It really created a resurgence and an awareness of slack key. Slack key guys uh, had music in The Descendants. There was a film called The Descendants that starred George Clooney and was directed by Alexander Payne. And Alexander Payne did something very wonderful for us. He demanded and mandated that the whole soundtrack be traditional Hawaiian slack key guitar. I mean, in a major feature film. So that really brought music out. I have a, I have a song on that as well. So there's a resurgence going on. And I think, you know, of course, guitar players love discovering slack key. Kirk Hammett from Metallica used to come to my shows all the time. I've had a lot of different rock guitar players that have fallen in love with slack key guitar. But it's still, I would say it's the most unknown guitar, major guitar style in the world as of yet. I mean, it's not a household name like blues, flamenco, bluegrass, all that. Right. But also, as George Winston put it, he, he said something profound. He said, you know, slack key guitar is the final frontier of the acoustic guitar. And I, I truly believe it is. It's, it's, a, it's not something that's just Hawaiian, although, of course, it, it, you know, Hawaiian slack key is a thing, right? Because, as I said earlier, when you tune a guitar to the chord and then you learn how to are creating a symphony, it, it's a world that is inexhaustible in its discovery. Well, I'm glad I asked you that question at the beginning is to, to define it, because a lot of people don't know it, including me. I mean, I had the sense of it, but I wanted you to explain it, which you did beautifully. Because of the rarity of the number of musicians playing that kind of style, I would think that a lot of your career is spent touring. So it's not just on the islands, but or in the islands, but you're going all over the world. Would I be right? Wrong? In between? Yes, absolutely. In the past few years, I've played you know, of course, all through the States and Canada, I've played in Japan, China, Russia, you know, a lot of different places. And part of what I do is education. 
in every performance because it's funny, but when you travel, the, the further away you go from Hawaii, you know, people's ideas about Hawaii are very archaic and anachronistic. You know, I mean, oh, that's where they wear the grass skirts and, and you know, oh, you guys uh, live in grass shacks. And, you know, I mean, uh, do, do you have Internet? You know, do you have electricity? I mean, I mean, I've heard it all. You know, it's amazing. Right, oh, isn't that where Elvis played? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody thinks that people live in hotels in Las Vegas. The, right. the people that live there. Yeah, we do have a very significant Hawaiian population. I think it's up to probably 50,000 at this point. Now, one place you played too, which is an island unto itself, is the White House. You played there. I did. Uh, I did. I played there. I played the White House back in 2009, I think, under the Obamas. They were having, I think it was a big Christmas party. And at, at that time, because of his connections to Hawaii and he graduated from Punahou, he was inviting various artist from Hawaii. And you mentioned earlier, when you quoted George, you said that the music can be expanded. It's a last frontier. It can be expanded into other reaches. How far do you want to expand slacky guitar? Do you see yourself dedicating your entire career to that style? Yes, but not exclusively. Two responses to that. One, slacky guitar, I have, I have brought in blues, bluegrass, raga, Irish picking. I mean, there's so many different ways you can go with it when you really expand beyond the Hawaiian cultural framework and you use the technical approaches of slack key. I mean, and it, you know, on YouTube, I've had covers of like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd in slack key and, you know, be using my style of slack key toward, you know, opening arenas for Joe Walsh and Bad Company, you know, so it's not, I'm not doing traditional Hawaiian in those contexts. So slack key guitar, I mean, it's really endless. It's really, think of it like this. Think of it like this. It, it's, it's always tricky to describe this because it's such a unique approach. So the blues and jazz, bluegrass, these are distinct styles that have a sound. So are Hawaiian slack key. Hawaiian slack key is a distinct style that has a sound. But when you strip out the cultural elements, just to answer your question about how far can we take it, right? You get something that I would say is like the difference between an oil painting and a pencil sketch. Slack key in its, in its most bare technical framework becomes like a sketching device for doing songs. So for instance, when I cover Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb, I'll actually tune each, I create a tuning. I'll create each string to a different chord in the song. And then I'll actually hear the keyboard part, the guitar part, the vocal part, and I'll assign, I almost treat each string like an instrument. And so it's a very, like, like I say, it's like sketching. So from that kind of philosophy, slack key guitar can be used as an interpretive artistic device. And that's what I love about it. I mean, it really can be any style. Yeah, it's fascinating. You develop yourself as an artist in this medium and then you expand it, and it goes in directions you may not have thought about initially, but here you are doing this and that. You mentioned earlier, too, that part of your show is education. Now, when you're opening for others, when you're touring sometimes and you're these really big names that you've worked with, and you've been on several Grammy-nominated albums as well, do you have an opportunity for education, or is that mainly for your own shows when you appear, such as Myron's at the Smith Center uh, this Friday at April 29th? Oh, it's mainly for my own shows. I definitely stretch out in my own shows. In my own shows, I tell a lot of stories. I'm a storyteller. I think that 
giving people context and story for the songs, because especially they don't understand the language, most of them really enriches the experience. And the stories are songs to me. So in my performances, I get to stretch out and, and that's actually a folk art in itself is oral history. It is. And we should also point out you sing as well. I do. I do. And in fact, the new album is, you know, it's a combination of instrumentals and vocals, but there are some very acrobatic Hawaiian vocal songs on there that are songs of old that are rarely sung anymore. It's great that you have taken the time to not only tour, but also to record, because I always think about this, people that write books, people that record albums, CDs, whatever you want to call them, or simply digital recordings, you become immortalized in that sense, even if it's for your own family and heirs, but clearly for the larger public, you become part of the the cosmos in that sense. And in your case, with your approach to slack key guitar, you're in that world and you're permanently in that world. Yeah. And beyond that, I, uh, I forgot to mention that for the past three plus years, I've been working as a producer with Facebook and Instagram, creating music that they make freely available to users. And we've done hundreds of songs. I've probably produced over 200 songs in every genre you can imagine. Well, that's great that it's available to everybody. That's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Makana. He's performing in Myron's at the Smith Center in the gift of slack key guitar, Legacies of Hawaii. This Friday, April 29th at 7 p.m., he'll be featuring songs from his new album, Pulama, Legacies of Hawaii. For ticket information, go to thesmithcenter.com. And for everything about Makana, go to makanamusic.com. And you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Makana Music. Makana, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Ira. Appreciate it. Aloha and mahalo. See you next time. Aloha. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah,